Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. The number one podcast for learning and talent development professionals. Now here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another great episode to help you up your game and improve your capabilities in the world of talent development. And I've got a great guest for you today to talk about building a culture of learning and really shifting how we think about talent development, how we approach talent development to help us become more of a strategic part of the business. And this is coming from someone who is leading talent for quite a large organization, has worked in even bigger organizations in the past. My guest today is Brandon Clark, who has over 15 years of experience driving communication and training at the regional, national, and global scale for large companies. Over that time, he has become an expert at driving effective communication in complex and highly matrixed environments and a talent for simplifying complex information. Currently, Brandon serves as the global head of talent development at Adobe, a software company with more than 30,000 employees, where he's overseeing a cultural transformation and new programs to foster better leadership and career development, which we'll talk about today. Previously, Brandon has worked in various talent development roles at companies like Workday and Walmart, where he worked in a lot of different capacities and different departments across the organization that's known as one of the largest, if not the largest in the world. And in this conversation, I asked Brandon about his experience at Walmart, how he got started, what he learned from the experience there, and then about his approach and philosophy to talent development and how that's changed over the last few years and the things that he and his team are implementing at Adobe, which includes taking on new values, you know, really defining new organizational values and rolling that out organization-wide, how to develop leaders, how to avoid burnout in our leaders and our people, and their approach to career development as well. We really cover a wide range of topics here and a lot of things that I think will be applicable to you no matter what size organization you work in, because everybody needs to be thinking about how do we develop our people? How do we become a more strategic part of the organization? How do we connect more with the strategy and the C-suite? And how do we measure the impact of the work that we're doing? And Brandon covers all of those things and more in this conversation. I've also asked Brandon if he would join as a guest speaker in our Talent Development Think Tank community, which he's agreed to. You can find more information about our Talent Development community, as well as everything going on with this podcast by going to our website at tdtt.us. That's tdtt, as in Talent Development Think Tank, .us. You can click on podcast or community to explore more. All right. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Brandon Clark, who is the head of talent development at Adobe. Enjoy. All right. I'm joined now by Brandon Clark, who is the global head of talent development at Adobe. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andy. I'm so glad to be speaking with you again today. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you on. We connected a, a little while back and just had a great conversation, so much in common. I love all the stuff that you're you're doing there at Adobe, really transforming, you know, the approach to leadership and culture. And I'm I'm excited to dig into all of that. But I also know you have a lot of experience, background, and the things you've done in your career. So excited to dig into those. And that maybe we just start there, you know, thinking back across your career. How did you get into learning and development, talent development in the first place? Yeah. You know, my formal training is in interpersonal communication or sort of communication. And, you know, when I left grad school, you know, like, like many people sort of like, what am I going to sort of do with this? You know, and I got a call from, from Walmart, the corporate office. I lived pretty close to their corporate office. And 
it was sort of the biggest gig going in town. And there was a, a girl at the time that I was dating that I had some intentions. So I said, I need to get a job or she will not, <laughs> her dad will not let me marry her. You know, okay. and so kind of from Walmart and I said, let's do this. And the, so the first role that I got into at Walmart was a leadership development role, actually. You know, I was 24 or something like that. And I was leading a, a leadership development program for high potential folks in the real estate division of all things. Hmm. And listen, I knew nothing about leadership. <laughs> I had read some books, but, you know, I was, I was in this new role and, you know, I, I sort of learned things as I went along that, you know, fast forward, you know, 15, 20, you know, 17 years later, and here I am in the, in the field full time, but it's been a meandering journey uh, to get to where I am today. Yeah. But yeah, that's how it, it all started from, from really wanting to, to get married and needing to have a job. Yeah. You know, I've, I've asked a lot of people about their backgrounds, getting into talent development. You may be the first one to say, I did it so I could keep my boyfriend or girlfriend so that I could get married, right? I needed that job and this is what came up. This is going to be a real talk interview. Hope you're okay with that, Andy. <laughs> I, lo I love it. I I'm curious um, because going into that role at 24, inexperienced, right? You know about things in theory, but not in practice and working with actual leaders. I think about that and I'm getting nervous. Like that seems intimidating, right? How did you handle that and, and make the best of it? Yeah. You know, one thing I think that I've always learned and, and, you know, it's quite frankly about college, you know, I, I learned it in personal communication. I learned in business communication, but really more learned how to think. And I learned how to reason. I learned how to look at problems and understand how to solve the problems. And I would say in my, in my grad school days, the, the, what I learned the most was from teaching a, a class that was called Communication 1313. And I had 30 students, two sections of 30 students, and I was teaching them communication skills. And from that experience, it really helped me understand how to speak publicly, how to summarize points in a way that really helped people get it. And I really do think that those are the, the building blocks of good talent development. You, you really have to be a clear communicator to be able to inspire and lead people. And then the rest of it, I sort of learned on the job. I'm really thankful to have just such great leaders and mentors uh, and people that felt me in, in those early days, just to understand it. And I had been a, a leadership geek, so I'm, I maybe underselling myself a bit. I wrote a lot of John Maxwell books when I was in, in college, way back in those days. And I, I was really fascinated with the idea of being a leader. And, you know, I was armed with the confidence that John Maxwell said, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And so I said, I can figure this out if I can figure out influence. And I did. I don't want to talk to any of those people that I've led back in those days to get any feedback now, but I made it through, you know? <laughs> One of those listening, like that guy didn't know what he was talking about. No, I'm, exactly. I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure you knew a lot, but it's still one thing to study something, another to get in front of a group of leaders who are doing it yeah. and, you know, help them become better at what they're doing, which is certainly important. Now, you spent many years working at Walmart, which is one of, if not the largest organization in the world. Yeah. There's, you know, a lot to be said about the way things are done, the Walmart way, you know, going all the way back to Sam Walton founding that company you know, 50 plus years ago. I only know about it from an outsider, but you certainly hear a lot about the culture. And I'm curious, you know, what did you learn from that experience that has really helped you in future jobs and developing people? 
Yeah, Walmart had a really strong culture. And I believed in the mission there. I still believe in, in the mission of helping people save money so that they can live better. It's wild that I can just say that, you know, after more than a decade there. But, you know, what I learned at Walmart, I got a lot of different managers at Walmart. So I worked in every major division of Walmart, the e-commerce division, um, the U.S. stores division, Sam's Club, a global role there. And so I probably had seven or eight different managers. And with each of those managers, you learn a different style, you learn a different flavor, you learn what's important to them and what's not important to them. And you grow in adaptability. But I'll say the, the biggest thing I learned at Walmart was scale. And I did not realize that I was cutting my teeth on scale. And so I learned scale from the beginning, which was the great part of working at Walmart. And a lot of the companies that I, that I went to after Walmart I mean, even other divisions of Walmart that were slightly smaller than where I started, the, the trick, what they were all trying to figure out is how do we scale this? We have this great thing, but how do we make sure? And I learned a lot of things, a lot of things about, again, like communicating really clearly. You know, I even said in the meeting just the other day that scale and nuance are not friends. <laughs> and so we have to make things as simple and as clear as possible. Because when you're trying to educate 30,000 people, which is where we are at Adobe here, you have to make things really simple, really clear. And that's what's going to drive the, the biggest impacts. So I'm thankful for my days at Walmart. Yeah. I'm also thankful for the days that I left Walmart and I was able to see the contrast of the things that were great and not so great. I think it's natural work meeting company that you, that it's the, in the contrast sometimes that you learn the most. Right. Yeah. Until you get out of outside of it that you can start to see wow, that was a really weird experience. And, oh, I don't agree with, you know, maybe certain ways things are done. And now I get a chance to go do them differently somewhere else, which is exactly you know, that's, that's life. That's business, right? That's normal. I want to get to the work you're doing today. When we last talked, one of the comments you made was that we've entered a new age of talent development and we need to be able to adapt to that. I'm wondering, you know, could you yeah. talk a little bit about what you mean there? Yeah. I mean, I really believe gone are the days that you can be function tucked away in the in the recesses of HR doing stuff that nobody really knows or cares about. Like we're in an era right now, I believe, where talent development professionals like me are talking to the C-suite often because I think people have figured out, especially in like successful companies, that we can go out and buy any technology to make our business more efficient than we need. We've got the capital to do that. But really what's going to give us the edge in the market is really the hearts, the imaginations of the people that we are inspiring. And so we figure that out now. And so I believe people, you know, executives have been like, but wait, don't we have talent development people that, are, that do that, that actually engage people and, and really give them the edge and help reskill them and upskill them in certain, in certain places. So that's really the, the era that I think that we're in, in talent development. And it's a, and it's a beautiful one. I, I actually... Love it. And I'll say one more thing. My background was in communication, organizational communication is sort of what it turned into. And I love that. I spent a lot of years working alongside executives to really like own the messages that they were sending to inspire the company, right? But what I learned later on was, you know, and, and this is no knock to communication professionals out there, they're, they're super important. But, you know, in, in a communication job, you are taking the company's main messages and you are sort of proliferating them throughout the company, if you will. 
But then talent development, you have an opportunity to be the story yourself and actually be the team that is moving things forward and creating the change in the organization and not just talking about the change that other teams or other leaders have done. And that's what I really loved. You know, I felt like I was in the middle of the action as a, as a, as a professional in communication because I was, you know, on the ground floor with executives building messages. But now I feel even more like I'm on the ground floor in talent development because it is such a hot topic in our industry today. Yeah. You talk about talent development, be able to almost like, you didn't say it quite like this, but like stepping out of the shadows and, and being able to really have an impact, right? Not just hiding. And I feel like there, there's a lot of things that have happened and certainly everybody has their own personal stories and different ways of working in different companies. But I felt like the, the pandemic, you know, going back to 2020 was where there was a big change there when it was like, okay, everybody's going and working remotely now. We really need HR and talent development yeah. to step up to create good experiences so we can keep developing our people and they still feel like they're connected to this organization. And it's and the development is moving our strategy and our organization forward. And now we're like continuing. We need to continue to evolve from there. Totally. I think that pandemic changed everything. And I think it kind of unmasked what was really important to people in life and work. And I think, you know, it did more, more good than harm in, in our work life. But, you know, I, it, it, and listen, I can tell you some of the research that we did, people got burned out after the pandemic. And especially managers, I'm going to talk more about that later, but that was a theme that people started to really try to figure out what was important to them in life and in work. And it was on companies to sort of meet people where they are. And I think talent development, you know, the benefit of, of developing was a, it was a benefit that went to the forefront, but not only the benefit, the business value of when people are engaged was the other thing that kind of came to the forefront in the pandemic because you couldn't see these people anymore yeah. <laughs> walking around in the office. And so you had to make sure that they were getting the, the nutrition that they needed from a development standpoint. Yeah. People had to, managers especially had to be a lot more intentional about communication, proactive and having those conversations, building those relationships. Getting back to talent development, you've said that we need to think differently about how we approach work and how we approach development and to get out of the, you know, there's just being hiding in somewhere in HR or being reactive. It's really about being more proactive. And you talk about talent development, connecting more with the C-suite and the sort of modern CEO, if you will. I remember you mentioned that last time we talked. Can you talk more about the importance of that and, and how can talent development professionals be more ingrained or connected with the C-suite and, and the strategy? Yeah, 100%. Like it, it's all about starting with the problem that we have in mind. I remember even in my days in Walmart, we had a problem statement that we that we did for a, a development program for store managers. And the problem statement was, you know, we would say from the time the shovel hits the ground, it takes about two years to build a Walmart store. Now, these were in the days that we had actual physical stores, you know, <laughs> still do, but Two years to build a store, but if you look, go into a Walmart store and you look at the store manager and their badge, everybody's badge has how many years of service, hmm. you'd see a badge that was 15 to 20 years of service before someone had the skills to be able to lead such a complex operation as a Walmart store. And so you, the math didn't add up. You know, It takes two years to build a store, but it takes 15 to 20 years to build a store manager. How can we accelerate the development of our store managers so they're able to lead our growing store fleet. And so when you have a burning like problem statement like that, things just fall into place rather than, hey, we just need to make sure our store managers are better developed and have good 
skills. You know, mm-hmm. you have to really create that compelling problem statement to be able to perk the interest of the C-suite. And then they sort of go, we have to do this. We can't not do this because now we see what the problem is. You have to be led by, led by data. But that was in the days, I think, that this wasn't top of mind. And now I think the C-suite has access to the data. And they're the ones sort of knocking on our door saying, we've got a problem. We've got X amount of people with this skill set. And they need to morph that skill set into something else that we need for the future. And we, there's no way that we're going to be able to hire that many people. And that's the stories that I'm hearing now is like the talent gap that people have. And how do we hire people in a headcount constraint world? And now instead of hiring, how do we build those skills into the current workforce that we have? And I think that's that's really the thing that has clicked in these last several years is um, is is trying to keep up with how fast technology is changing. And for some of these skills out here, you can't. I mean, you like they don't teach them, right? You can't hire for them because they're being developed as we speak. And so that's where learning agility comes in and helping people to to really learn rapidly on their own. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about the importance of starting with that problem statement, essentially, like what is the objective? What's the problem that we're trying to solve? And then we know exactly why we're doing this thing. Take it even a step back further, right? Is connecting that problem back to the overall company strategy, right? Like understanding what is the strategy? What's the organization trying to do? Hey, we're trying to grow 10% a year, which means we need to build 30 stores a year which means we need to open, you know, more stores. It means we need to have more store managers. So how do we exactly grow revenue, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's really understanding how do you respond to those things. I would imagine, you know, for you at Adobe now, Adobe's a software company with no yeah. physical locations other than offices, right? But if the CEO said, you know what, we're going to start ordering opening brick and mortar stores so people can go play with the the software like an Apple Store or something, then you and talent development need to figure out, okay, how do we get talent ready? to go work in those stores. Exactly, exactly. It's it's building, you said beautifully, Andy, it's building the problem statement based on where the business is heading. And we won't be order, you know, opening any, any Adobe stores. I mean, I, knock on the wood, I, I don't uh-huh. think we will, but yeah, there, there are other problems that I think we have in Adobe. So, so I'll tell you, you know, when I came into Adobe, you know, it was a, sort of a clean slate. There had been a good amount of time between the last leader and, and me. So the team was sort of looking for some direction. And, you know, the first thing we did was was we we did some, quite frankly, we, we did some research and we tried to say, what will give us the, the biggest money for the buck, for our buck? And when we think about where the business is headed and, and what we need to be focused on, what's going to be the thing that's going to give us sort of a, a false force multiplying effect? And we found in the research that it was it was people leaders. It was it was actually focusing on people leaders. And so you've got this cocktail of the pandemic, you know, a shift to to sort of managing in a highland environment, macroeconomic uncertainty, mass layoffs, you know, and, and you know, the research said that half of our people leaders were combating burnout in our and I don't mean Adobe's people leaders, but you know, in the industry people yeah, leaders were combating burnout. And yet, on the other hand, you have research that says people leaders account for 80% of employee engagement, you know? And so you know, these two things, when you sort of mix them together, people leaders are so important, <laughs> yet they're burned out. They're having a hard time managing through. We really felt like we we needed to make this the year of the manager to really 
help reset and help the managers that we have at Adobe. By the way, one other thing that I thought was just so interesting that in some of the research that had been done, they said your manager can have more impact on your mental health than your spouse or your mm. therapist, wow. which I thought was wild. And, and when I think back to managers that I've had, it was true. For better mm. or worse, <laughs> it was definitely true. And so um, you've got this group of people that have so much power, yet they're struggling. So, you know, the, the, we, we said we need to help, we need to help managers. We need to really help make sure that they have the, um, the care and feeding that they need. Yeah. And so um, what we did was we built this, this, this program called the Adobe Leader Experience. And what was different about this than anything that I had done in my career before was that we connected this program to our check-in process. And so quarterly managers and employees get together and they talk about how things are going, right? And there's some questions that we ask them to answer. And so we said, what if we designed almost like a, a roadmap for managers and employees to go through together throughout the year? And before each of these conversations, these really important hour-long conversations that these managers have with employees, let's give managers the equipping through the Adobe Leader experience to really help move the needle on some of the most basic, important things that managers can spend their time on. And so quickly, we said, Q1, it's all about goal setting. And so let's upskill our managers on how to set clear, stretchy, outcome-focused goals and really help that manager-employee relationship with those questions like, you know, what do you do mid-year if a goal doesn't make sense anymore, you know, do you, do you stick with it or do you, you know, is there love lost if you say we got, so, you know, answering tough questions like that so that, you know, there, there could be more sort of healthier hygiene with, with, with goal setting through the company. Then in Q2, we talked about giving actionable feedback. You know, we are at Adobe, we're a nice culture. And so giving feedback can be tricky in a mm. nice culture. And so we talked about how to give feedback that's both impactful and specific, but then respectful at the same time to try to make sure that our culture wasn't losing the thing that made people join in the first place. And then, you know, in Q3, which we're in Q3 right now, so in a couple of weeks, we're going to be having more sessions about receiving feedback as a manager. And so you, you, you set goals, you give feedback along the way, and then, then as a manager, at some point you say, well, how is this relationship with us working, you know, and, uh, and so it's all going to be about, you know, we have a, an employee engagement survey that we talk about. So I'm saying all this and I'm spending a lot of time on this because what we found was that like, I think in the, in the past and in, in my past, and I think in a lot of industries, what we do is we give managers training about how to be good leaders. And then we hope and pray that they can apply it. Right. Right. <laughs> and we say, I hope they come across these scenarios that we're telling about. I don't think what's brilliant about what we've done is, is we give them the training at the time that they need to do the action. Right. And so uh, we've actually been seeing some real numbers move as, as part of that, as part of these check-in conversations. I won't bore you guys with the details, but we do some analysis on the quality of the feedback that our managers are giving employees and in three quarters, our feedback quality has tripled, which is, I'm so proud of that, Andy, because, you know, often 
as tra- as talent development professionals, we hang our hat on like MPS scores or attendance or if people yeah. like the training, they find it useful. They think the, the the trainer was knowledgeable about the subject. We ask questions like this. And yeah. 92% of people say it was useful and we pat ourselves on the back and we sort of move on. Yeah. But we really don't know if that level three behavior change is happening. And I think for some of the first times in my career, at least, you know, we're able to point to, to a change that we made among managers and then the actual behavior change impact that, that change made. So, yeah, I mean, I'll stop there. But I, I was just, I, I'm so proud of the team for what they've built and how we're actually moving real numbers in, in that way. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you went there. I was going to ask you about how your team has moved the needle at Adobe because I know you you have some stories there. And in connection to that, I was going to ask you, how do you think about measuring impact, right? Because a lot yep. of companies and people in talent development are still trying to figure that out. And there's a lot of basics, like you mentioned, NPS and stuff that everybody knows, but that doesn't necessarily connect back to the strategy to answer the question from the CEO, like, hey, does your work matter? Is it helping us move our strategy forward? So yeah, what are some ways you move the needle and how do you think about measuring the impact of that? Yeah, it's all about starting with what that problem statement is. And for that, overall, we wanted to make our managers better at three things, setting goals, feedback, receiving feedback, and then performance. But we, but in each one of those things, we said, well, what, what is a behavioral marker that we can point to that we will know we're making progress on those on those problems. And so for for goals, it was, you know, simply having managers set goals in the system that we have and have transparency to those goals. And and we did that. We had 90 plus percent of our managers actually have goals that were in the system for one of the first times. We believe our managers had goals before. We don't know how many of them had goals before, and they could have been written on, you know, their refrigerator, some, you know, somewhere. But you know, that action to me is a behavioral action. And then the second one, the feedback one, was was more about like the quality of feedback. And you know, we took a representative sample of our managers' check-ins and what they wrote, and we were able to use a rubric to say high quality, medium quality, low quality. It was super simple. Just like were they using specifics when they talked about the feedback, or were they saying, hey, great job, you know, glad you're on the team. And it went from 20% of managers providing high quality feedback to 60% of managers providing high quality feedback three quarters nice. later. Yeah. So we, we were just over the moon with, with some of those results. And then again, in Q3, it's all about action planning based on the feedback that you receive as a manager. And so it'll be a measure much like Q1. Did they record an action that they're going to do to be able to improve their uh, employee engagement survey results for the next um, time we do it? And so we're trying to keep it really simple. Again, nuance is the is the enemy of scale. And because we have you know 30,000 people, we're trying to keep it really simple and trying to move numbers in, in real life. Yeah, that's cool. I, I remember that, right? Nuance is, the, is is not friends with scale, is the enemy of scale, right? You're trying to figure this to, how do you scale this to all the leaders? Just a tactical question. You talk about building this, this leadership experience. Was that entirely built internally or do you work with external partners on, on parts of it? Yeah, we, we built it internally. I would say that in the early days in Q1, we did take on a partner to help us with some of the graphic design. Like there's a really high bar, as you can imagine, at a creative Adobe, company. Yeah. <laughs> for how things look and feel. 
And so, so yeah, we took on a partner in the beginning to do that. And now I think we we're doing that sort of on our own, but yeah, we, we did that. And then I'll say there are a lot of other design decisions that we, we made, right. We put light level leaders together. So senior leaders were in courses with senior leaders. Okay. They did breakouts that would have similar problems is not going to be able to talk at a similar level as them. Um, we, we did. You know, we we weaved our new values throughout, which I haven't even talked about, but we we pinned some new values earlier this year. And it, it I just have to say, Andy, when your company refreshes their values for the first time in, in a decade, it's like a talent development person's dream. Because <laughs> you're able to weave it into everything that you do and there's so much energy around it. And so it's just we're having a fun time at Adobe right now. Yeah. Like things are things are super fun. How how did you approach that? And the, I mean, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was the, your approach to creating a culture of learning. Something I know you're big on as well. You know, outside just yeah. the leadership program. And I imagine that connects yeah. to the values that you're implementing. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we took a look at our values, our executive team did earlier this year, and what I loved about how they did it was they said. Let's keep some of the the raw material of what makes Adobe Adobe, what makes us make the list for best employees to work for year after year. But then they said, like, who are we on our best days? Where some of those behavioral markers that like that we are aspirationally trying to move toward. And so the values are both a reflection of, of our current reality, but then also sort of where we're trying to go, you know. And I came into the company really being a, a big proponent of, you know, having a culture of learning because I believe technology is moving so fast that people are being put into positions that they've never been put into before and having to learn as they go. And that needs to be a mindset shift. And, you know, littered through our values, it's all about having the, the mindset of failing fast, the mindset of learning from our mistakes, you know, the mindset of raising the bar and continuous improvement, which are all in the mind markers of having a culture of learning. And so, like I said, it's a talent development person's dream because we're being able to point to some of these values and say, you know, our company is committed to you having this culture of learning and development and of growth. And it's just been working. That's fantastic. And you're right. Talent development professionals dream to be involved in, in building those new values from the ground up to be able to Im- influence the values and the culture to say, we want to create this culture of learning and build in what I'm hearing is a, is a strong growth mindset type culture, right? That we can try new things, that we can learn from our experiences which often creates a lot more innovation, right? Or the possibility for innovation. We're not stuck in old ways. We can, and you want to create a more agile organization as things are changing around in, you know, the economy and the world with technology, obviously you want to be an innovative organization. The last thing I wanted to ask you about, you talked about leadership development and developing your managers to support your people. Uh, I know you've also been doing some work around career development. You launched a, I think it was a career week that you yes. did recently. I'm curious to how are you approaching career development and maybe creating more career opportunities and talent mobility at Adobe? Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for asking. So we historically for the last several years have had something that the name has evolved over time. I think it was a career week at first and now we've named it Career Fest. But the strange part about that is that it was only done in our regions, our inter- international regions. So I have colleagues that that are on my team that are in um, London, that are in Paris, that are in you know, Bangalore or in Sydney, 
So we've got all these offices and, and these folks were saying, we have to do something around helping people understand how to grow and move their career. But we had never picked it up for some reason in the U.S. And so this year was the first year that we said, enough is enough. If we're going to have a global career fest and it's going to include the, the U.S. And it was it was a huge success. And so it was, it was basically two to three days, depending on time zones. Of, and what we called it was, you, the world spins and moves so fast and your calendar always gets filled with everything. But this was an excuse for you to take two days mm-hmm. and get inspired, meet some new people, learn from some of your colleagues, and really just like reinvigorate your relationship with your career is how we sort of, sort of said it. And we had the highest attendance that we'd ever had, more than 20,000 impressions and 20,000 attendance of this career career fest. We had some of the highest uses of our Adobe Life app, which is, you know, it was sort of like the way that you could figure out what sessions you were going to next. It was basically like a company career conference that people mm. were able to go to. And I'm just so happy with the team and how it how it all worked out and it created a platform for us to launch sort of this this learning culture and the way that you're thinking about your career because it got everybody's attention we were able to have a captive audience to say hey your career matters and you own your own career at adobe is the way we, we we talk about it but we're here to help you and it's all about helping you find new connections helping you gain new skills so yeah our career fest event in 23 was was incredible and again i'm really proud of the team because you know, it, it's one thing to pull this off in a few offices around the world. It's a whole other thing to pull this off on a global scale in all different time zones with keynote speakers. And it was just a lot of work, but the team did an amazing job. Oh, that's fantastic. I love hearing that you're doing that, that organizations are doing that and putting more of a focus on helping people think about what they can do, where they can go in their career. I think it's it's going to provide so much more value to people and more endearment to the organization because the number one thing people want is to know how am I going to grow in my career where I am right now, right? right. And I love that you are, of course, spreading the gospel, the mission about people owning their careers, something uh, you know I'm really big on as well. My book and speaking in lots of places about you know teaching people to own their careers. But I think with more people take responsibility, the more intentional and proactive they are, the more they're right. going to achieve and the more fulfilled they're going to be in their in their careers and their lives. That's right. Exactly. I see, I see your book behind you. And as I said, you owe your career. I saw you smile and I saw the book and I said, that was perfect, wasn't it? That was it. That's it right there. Yeah, we're going to clip that. We're going to use it in commercials for our uh, for our own <laughs> career brand. Brandon, this has been great. You've done so much there in the, in the time you've been. And I know you have a really awesome team that's doing a lot of these things and you're connecting back to the C-suite and the strategy. Is there anything else that you want to make sure people know about the work that you've been doing at Adobe or this idea, this approach to creating more of a culture of learning and really developing people, especially managers, to, to move things forward into the future. Yeah, maybe maybe one more thing. We have been a chief people officer. Her name is Gloria Chen. She's brilliant. And what's interesting about Gloria's career is that she was a business person her whole career and only stepped into an HR role in the last, I want to say it was, oh, it was, it was early 2020, so just before the pandemic. And she, um, what I love about Glory is that her and I think really similarly to really being partners with the business, solving problems that the business has. But one of the things that she's brought in our thinking and the way that we approach our HR function 
is creating connected experiences. And I think she's doing a really lovely job of helping us think connected. And so what I mean by that is it is often the case that you have a compensation function that does compensation. You've got a training function that does training. You've got people doing talent management. You've got people doing hiring and onboarding. And they're all kind of thinking in their own silos. And Gloria has really started to help us think that an employee is in the center of the strategy. And they don't care if you're on the HRBP team or on the talent acquisition team. And sure, we all have our own uh, expertises, but we have to create these connected experiences so employees uh, have a seamless sort of view of how things work in the company. And so I, I don't think any of our success would have been success unless we were working alongside with our talent management group, with our compensation group, with the DEI team to talk about DEI messages in the way that you learn how to be a good manager. And so we're creating this sort of, sort of like really thoughtful journey for, that employees are on. And they just know that, that like it's just Adobe. It's not a certain team in Adobe. And so I just wanted to put that plug out there because I do think that it is somewhat rare among companies, especially as they've grown larger. People have grown up in their expertise but to really think about the employee as part of a journey. So um, that's the thing I'll leave you with, of, you know, for, for those professionals out there. We get better things done when we work together and no, no one is an island when it comes to the work that we do. Yeah, there you go. Bring it all together as one culture. And we can take it back to the beginning when you said nuance and scale are not friends, right? And when you want to scale something to 30,000 people or whatever it is in your organization, it's important that everybody's on the same page doing things right. more or less the same way. Obviously, there are many organizations that like to be decentralized, but you're going to scale things a lot easier and better and faster when everybody's on the same page and you're seeing it as one Adobe in the approach to whether it's learning and development or, or people development, anything else. So Brandon, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing some of your experience, your wisdom, and the work you've been doing. I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot from you and I look forward to talking more in the future. And of course, we've got our bonus Q&A conversation coming up soon. So we'll talk a little bit more. Uh, but for now, thank you so much for being on. This was tons of fun. Andy, thanks so much, man. All right, take care. All right, that will do it for my conversation with Brandon Clark, Global Head of Talent Development at Adobe. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I certainly did. We covered a lot of ground there, including Brandon's background and what he learned from the work he did at Walmart and different places, the difference between scale and nuance and why those two things are not friends, the new age of talent development, the importance of starting with a problem and connecting that back to company strategy and what the C-suite is trying to achieve, and then figuring out how do we solve that problem so that we're a more valuable part of the business, talking about developing managers and helping them and their people avoid burnout. In fact, Brandon said your manager can have more of an impact on your mental health than your spouse or your therapist, which is pretty eye-opening. And then Brandon talked about the Adobe leadership experience they've developed and the importance of goal setting, giving feedback, receiving feedback, all the components they had in there. And the way they've measured impact to make sure that they are making a difference for the leaders, for the people and everything that they're doing. And we also talked about developing a culture of learning, the career development that they're doing there and the work and how it all comes together as one Adobe. So I hope you got value from that. Again, as I said at the top of this recording that I have asked Brandon to join as a guest speaker in the talent development think tank community that I run, we have 
sessions and guest speakers every Wednesday at noon Eastern uh, for our members. And it's always a great experience, a great conversation, because we get to take conversations like the one you just listened to and dive deeper and ask questions and really talk about real situations that we have going on and really help and support each other. So if you're not a member, come check out all the information. It's on our website, tdtt.us. We have a free trial going on right now, at least as I record this, where you can get 14 days for free. You can join two calls. You can check out all the recordings in our member library and see if it's something that would be valuable for you. So again, tdtt.us, all the information is there on our website. Just click on community. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned. Next time will be my bonus Q&A conversation with Brandon, and it is a good one. Definitely some more great lessons to take from that one. For now, I hope that you will take the lessons you learned today, put something into practice, and that maybe you find a little bit of gratitude for the work that you have and the opportunities that you have in front of you. Take care.